The Outline, World Dispatch. It's Monday, July 24th, 2017. I'm John Lagomarsino. Today on The Dispatch, Nicole Kobe on an uptick of acid attacks in London. It's the kind of stuff like sulfuric acid, which is used for cleaning drains, apparently. Gabby Del Valle on intimate partner violence. More than half the murders of women are partner-related. And Anne-Derek Gaillot on stands unstanding. You can unstand whenever you like. Here's the dispatch. Power. In London recently, acid attacks where corrosive acids are used as weapons have been on the rise. And strict gun control may have something to do with that rise. Nicole Kobe has looked into the situation. Hi, Nicole. Hi. So let's start at the beginning. What kinds of attacks are we talking about here? Well, acid attacks have been happening in London for for hundreds of years. Like they're not a new thing. And usually when you talk about an acid attack, people are they're talking about revenge attacks. Um the new ones aren't that sort of thing. We've got uh younger people and and some gangs it sounds like using it acids and corrosive materials as an actual weapon. And some of it is for uh, kind of the usual gang stuff, initiations or, or retaliations, but it's also being used for robberies, uh, particularly of mopeds. So you could mm. be, you know, standing on the side of the street with your bike and somebody chucks acid in your face in order to steal it, which is, is pretty horrific. How much are these attacks on the rise? Well, over the past few years, they've gone up quite a bit. So in 2015, in London, there were 216 that were reported. And in 2016, we had 454. So they've pretty much wow. uh, doubled, kind of one a day at least. Where are people getting the acid from in these attacks? You can kind of buy them anywhere. You can order them online from Amazon. Uh, they're perfectly legal materials. It's it's the kind of stuff like sulfuric acid, which is used for cleaning drains, apparently. I mean, I've never gone to a store to buy, you know, 90% sulfuric acid <laughs> to dump down my drains, but apparently that is a thing that is done. So you can pretty much get these without showing any identity, like any identification, without proving your age or with any kind of tracking at all. Are there any ideas about why this is happening in greater numbers? It sounds like, from the experts that I've spoken to, it sounds like it's it's almost fashionable, for lack of a better word. So uh, kind of gangs and, and younger people, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to tell where the crossover is with some of these attacks. Some of them are just opportunistic crimes. Hmm. It's hard to get. It's hard to get guns, and if you carry a knife, uh, and the Met Police stop you, and you and you you have a knife over a certain size, that can be an instant jail sentence of, of three or four years. So having a weapon that can do the kind of damage that you want, or can be even defensive without having to, you know, try to get a gun, which is very very hard in this country, or to risk the jail sentences of having a knife. Um, it sounds like acid has become sort of one way of doing that, and it's just kind of a popular way. I mean, a few years ago in London, there was just a lot of uh, pit bulls. So people would have a dog and use that, train it to attack people or or train to use it as a weapon. Um, and it sounds like that's kind of fallen out of fashion a little bit. There's probably been some cracking down on it. So now it's acid's turn for that. Oh, my gosh. From pit bulls to acid. That's, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. So how does gun control fit into this whole situation? Well, unlike in the U.S., in the U.K., having a handgun is 
is illegal. Um, you can get a license for certain very specific reasons, like if you have a very old historical pistol, uh, you might be able to to get permission to keep it. Um, huh. But that's kind of it. So self-defense is not a valid reason to have a handgun in this country. So of course, uh, it's still possible to get an illegal one. It's just going to be more expensive and it's going to be a little bit harder. So with some of these gangs, uh, they turn to knives instead because you can still do a lot of damage with a knife. And there's been a fair rise in knife crime, but uh, carrying knives over about three inches is, is illegal as well. So it's kind of, it's not like gun control has caused this, but it's created a situation where people who want or feel the need for a weapon are looking for more creative options. So what's the solution here? Well, restricting the sales of acids is, is one solution that people have suggested, including a lot of the, the victims who have been involved in this, um, because it leaves really, really horrific injuries. Um, right. There's one woman where it was, you know, three years of 50 different surgeries to just get back to something approaching normality. Uh, it leaves people in a lot of pain, that sort of thing. So so if we make it a little bit harder, then maybe that will discourage it. When it comes to any kind of weapon, though, people who want a weapon are going to find one of some sort. So there's also the suggestion that if, if we have a gang problem in this city, we should be addressing that um, because they're going to just find a new weapon to use. Nicole, thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Power. Homicide is the fifth leading cause of death for American women under 44. A new report by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention shows that most murdered women are killed by people they know. 55% are victims of intimate partner violence meaning they die at the hands of romantic partners or close relatives or friends of those partners. Of that 55%, 93% were killed by current or former romantic partners. And most women had also been victims of other crimes like physical or sexual assault. These statistics echo what the CDC and domestic violence advocacy organizations have been saying for a long time. Intimate partner violence is a national public health crisis. Violence against women can quickly escalate to larger, deadlier incidents when left unchecked. Gun control advocates say that each month, about 50 women are fatally shot by current or former partners. This week, Washington will become the first state to alert domestic violence victims when their abusers try to buy guns. But this is a stopgap measure at best, since only 19 states require background checks for gun sales. And anyone, domestic abusers included, can travel across state lines to buy weapons. We'll be right back. Culture. The world of devoted fan Twitter, or Stan Twitter, was rocked on July 1st, when a Kendall Jenner Stan account, at KNJ Daily, posted a 17-tweet-long thread explaining why the people running it would be abandoning the account. The account tweeted 14 examples of Kendall's problematic behavior after posting, quote, Disclaimer, we are aware we should have stopped giving her a pass a long time ago, but at least we came to our senses okay. So in light of this, Anne Derek Gallo talked to a bunch of Stan Twitter experts about what it means to unstan. Did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Anne. Hi, John. Let's start at the very beginning. What is a stan and why is it called that? Stan can be defined as a stalker fan, which, um, or like a super fan, but the origin of the word 
Many people attribute it to the song Stan. I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan. By Eminem from the year 2000 about a really obsessed fan of his. And now what we call Twitter stands are, are pretty much that, right? Yes. The fire behind Stan Twitter is totally coming from middle schoolers and high schoolers who are just really identifying with certain artists and trying to find community with other people that love them. Stands on Twitter are like more organized and more engaged than just being fans of of these people, right? So stands have feel like they have a way bigger responsibility to artists than regular fans do. Um, one stand I talked to, a Miley stand named Zach Williams, um, just spoke to me about how important it was for him to support Miley when she started her music career because not only did he want her to be successful, he also just wanted her to be happy. Whoa. Did she even know he existed? Yes, she did. Um, He made a T-shirt for her that said R.I.P. Miley Cyrus, and he actually got to give it to her at a fan meet and greet, and she wore it. She messaged him, like, thanking him, included him in Instagrams, and they've met a lot of times before. And I think that personal connection that people can get through, you know, connecting through social media with an artist, that puts a lot of pressure on stands to continue being stands like the um knj daily account that made that viral thread when i spoke to them one of the things they told me was that they were afraid to call out kendall before because they knew that kendall followed them and they were afraid of what her reaction would be so we're kind of getting to why you would want to unstand for someone Mm -hmm. yes i tried to reach out to stands of people that i thought were problematic So I reached out to Miley Cyrus stands, Kendall Jenner stands, Kylie Jenner stands, because all those people have been accused of, well, have participated in cultural appropriation. And so they get a lot of justified criticism online and they have a ton of people that stick up for them. And then on the other side, I reached out to people who stand for folks like Chris Brown or R. Kelly or Kodak Bat black people who have committed acts of violence against others, but still have these Stan communities that are really devoted to defending them. Is is standing for a problematic celebrity then kind of a balancing act between like, when is the threshold that they're so bad that it's more of a liability to come out against them? So I spoke to Agia Chagre and Kayla Thomas, um, hosts of the podcast Fan of a Fan, They, through their podcasts, they've been doing it for a year and they talk about all different aspects of fan and stan culture. They explained it really well that kind of your threshold for putting up with a problematic uh, celebrity's problematic behavior is really a reflection of the kind of behavior that you um, condone in your real life. Um, We talked about it in our, what episode was it? Um, All Your Faves Are Problematic. And we really just... We kind of touched on how it has to do with a, a lot with personal growth. It's not always just what you'd accept from your favorite artist, but these are sometimes things that you'd accept in real life as well. And so a lot of times it just comes from you having to like grow up and say, okay, I wouldn't accept this behavior from anyone. I shouldn't really accept it from Chris Brown either. And I think some people are just so enamored with their fave that they can't do any wrong. And also some people learn to separate the art from the artist and they have no problem with 
defending them because they can sing really well. You know, there's a running joke about Chris Brown being a horrible person until the BET Awards comes around every year and he dances his way back in everyone's heart. Um, I know that I used to be a huge Chris Brown fan and I used to defend him. And I think I just kind of grew up and I got, I grew out of that mindset that he can do no wrong because I mean, obviously he can. (laughs) So for me personally, I think it just has to do with personal growth. And eventually you just get tired of defending them constantly because they never stop messing up, you know? These stands have big popular Twitter accounts to the point where they're almost like fan club leaders. Uh, what are their followers, how do their followers react when, when a stan goes unstan? Yeah, so the reaction to... K&J Daily's unstanding was, from what they told me, super wide-ranging, where a lot of people were pissed at them, calling them fake and haters. Other folks, they said, messaged them saying, I wish I could do the same thing. And other people who were already um, anti-Kendall folks, you know, just messaged them saying, like, props for what you did. (laughs) So it was a wide-ranging thing. But afterwards... Um, the person I talked to from the account said that they felt really justified in in um, posting that thread because they wanted to show that you don't have to tolerate someone's bad actions because they're your idol. Um, you can unstand whenever you like. That's it for today's Dispatch. Thanks for listening. I'm John Lago Marcino. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories.